welcome to the podcast version of Scripps' Five Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 10th September 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time, the US industry warns over pricing, a setback for another gene therapy, disappointing phase two results for Novartis' transplant drug, Actemra shortages cause CAR-T challenges, and Sweden's Sobi set to go private. US jobs and R&D spending are on the line if drug pricing reform measures pass that pave the way for the government to directly negotiate Medicare drug prices with manufacturers, big pharma leaders warned during an industry-sponsored press briefing on 8th September. Jessica Mel reports that US drug pricing reform measures are looming large in the minds of industry leaders and investors as the Democratic-controlled Congress edges closer to passing drug pricing reform proposals as part of the $3.5 trillion infrastructure package and broader budget reconciliation legislation. The pharmaceutical industry stepped up its own countermeasures as Congress returns to Capitol Hill. The pharmaceutical researchers and manufacturers of America hosted the briefing with some of the industry's top leaders to underscore the risks proposed in the bill, which is known as HR3, that passed the House in 2019, elements of which could be incorporated into reconciliation legislation. At the same time, hundreds of biotech leaders and investors sent a letter to President Biden, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, and congressional leaders lobbying against the reforms that would allow the US government to dictate drug prices. Under the House bill, the government would directly negotiate certain drug prices with manufacturers for Medicare and Medicaid, based on international benchmarks, with drug makers facing a 95% penalty tax if they refuse to accept the government price, something industry advocates say does not reflect a fair negotiation. It will reduce the revenue of the biopharm industry by about 40% if enacted as proposed, Lilly CEO and pharma chairman David Ricks said of the reform measures in HR3. The equivalent would be to wipe off the face of the earth large US pharmaceutical companies that are household names. J&J, Pfizer, Merck, BMS, Lilly, Ricks said. The legislation aims to extract $600 billion in savings over 10 years from an industry that collectively generates $350 billion in annual sales, industry leaders said. However, the potential expansion of measures to non-government plans could result in costs of substantially more to drug makers, possibly around $1.5 trillion over 10 years. The US FDA has placed on clinical hold a trial of Biomarin's adeno-associated viral gene therapy BMN307, for the rare disease phenylketonuria, after cases of liver cancer in mice receiving high doses of the therapy were reported. The animal study showed evidence that portions of AAV vector had integrated into the host genome, a mechanism that has been observed in animal studies for other AAV treatments and which experts believe could be behind the tumour development. Andrew McConaughey writes that the data did not establish a clear link between the gene therapy and the tumours detected in mice, or most importantly, that the risk of cancer might also be raised in humans. Nevertheless, the US regulator's decision to suspend Biomarin's Phase 1-2 trial 
comes against a background of growing concern about possible safety problems with AAV-based gene therapies. The trial suspension was announced on 6th September, shortly after a two-day hearing by the FDA's Cellular, Tissue and Gene Therapies Advisory Committee into treatment, emergence, serious adverse events and potential new measures to identify and limit risk. Biomarin's Holt follows two other safety-based suspensions of AAV gene therapy trials. On 1st September, a study of Estelis's AT132, a candidate for neuromuscular disease X-linked myotubular myopathy, was paused voluntarily by the company after one patient receiving a low-dose experienced liver problems. This followed earlier safety concerns involving three children on the trial receiving a high dose who died following severe liver complications. Unicure's trial of its haemophilia B therapy was halted in December last year after cases of liver cancer emerged. The trial was resumed in April after the company satisfied the FDA's safety questions, with Unicure reporting that an independent study concluded that the gene therapy was highly unlikely to have caused the cancers. Just two AAV-based gene therapies have been approved so far by the US FDA, Roche's Luxturna and Novartis's Zolgensma but scores more are in development. While AAV vectors are favoured as being more immunologically inert than other viral vectors, growing experience with the platform suggests that this is not the whole story. The FDA panel probed a number of known safety issues in animal and human studies, including liver and neurological toxicities, potentially triggered by an immune response to AAV viral vectors and their capsid shells. Novartis's efforts to develop a drug that could result in more durable organ transplants have been hobbled by mid-stage data showing that its investigational anti-CD4-targeting monoclonal antibody, iskalimab, was less effective in preventing kidney rejection than the standard of care. Kevin Grogan reports that the Swiss major has decided to discontinue the 418-patient Phase two study called CIRAS-1 following an interim analysis of data which indicated that iskalimab did not work as well as tacrolimus-based treatment in preventing organ rejection in patients receiving a kidney transplant. Both the drug, codenamed CFZ533, and tacrolimus were used in combination with other immunosuppressants. Novartis gave very few other details, only saying that it is continuing to review the data from Cirrus-1, and once complete, the results will be shared with the broader scientific community. However, the firm stressed that the Phase 2 CONTRAIL trial in liver transplant patients continues, as do studies exploring iskalimab in a number of other autoimmune conditions such as type 1 diabetes, lupus nephritis, hydrodenitis suppurativa and Sjögren's syndrome. Nevertheless, pulling the plug on Cirrus-1 is disappointing given the promise that iskalimab had shown in preliminary studies. Novartis had touted the drug as a future standard of care for transplantation and it regularly featured prominently at the company's various R&D days over the past few years. As the recent COVID-19 surge has overfilled intensive care units and emergency rooms, it is also creating growing problems for cancer centres. The demand for Roche's Actemra to treat severely ill COVID-19 patients has caused a shortage of the drug, leaving less supply for patients receiving CAR-T therapies. 
Roche's Genentech division said on 16th August that the large increase in hospitalizations for severe COVID-19 had caused a shortage of Actemra that the company expected would last at least the next several weeks. The intravenous formulation of the IL-6 inhibitor has an emergency use authorization from the US FDA for treating the inflammatory response associated with severe COVID-19 symptoms, as well as FDA approval for treating cytokine release syndrome associated with CAR-T therapies. On 3rd September, Genentech said it had begun scheduled replenishments of Actemra in the US and anticipated additional replenishments of all SKUs of the intravenous and subcutaneous formulations of the drug in the coming weeks and months. During that time, the company anticipates variable availability and intermittent periods of stockouts, particularly if the pandemic continues at the current pace, Alaric Diamond writes. According to purchasing data collected by the US healthcare performance improvement company Vizient, average demand for Actemra increased by 279% from the period of 14th to 25th June to the 2nd to 13th of August, while fill rates for orders from hospitals dropped from 99% to 45%. Vizient estimates that it is used in 4.5% of COVID-19 cases. More recently, Roche has said it would not assert patent rights to Actemra against the drug's use in low- and middle-income countries and that it would consider working with the medicine's patent pool to allow third-party manufacturers to produce the drug after the company had come under fire from the World Health Organization for their product's high price. Finally, haemophilia and rare disease specialist Swedish Orphan Biovitrum, or SOBI, has garnered support from its board of directors and two major investors to take the company private in an $8.1 billion buyout that will enable the company to aggressively pursue its growth strategy without pressure from public company investors as it navigates commercial product pressures and potential drug development challenges. The SOBI board unanimously recommended on 2nd September that shareholders accept the buyout offer from Agnifit Big Co., consisting of the private equity firm Advent International and Aurora Investment, which is an affiliate of the Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, GIC. The cash offer of Swedish krona 235 per share was at a 35% premium to Sobe's 25th August closing stock price on Nasdaq Stockholm and reflects Agnifit Bigco's appreciation of the company's existing portfolio and its growth prospects as a private company. Sobe's stock price jumped 25.8% on 2nd September based on confirmation of the deal. Agnifit Bigco said in its own statement that Sobe's growth plans will require substantial investments going forward at a time when the company already is investing in international growth and existing products. The buyer said it believes that the company would be able to better develop these investments in a private environment as the resources to implement them are limited at this point due to Sobe's large share of revenues deriving from price-pressured legacy haemophilia products combined with significant recent investments in acquisitions. The company's investors already are coming out in support of the transaction, which depends on Agnifit Bigco acquiring at least 90% of Sobe's outstanding shares. Sobe has recently focused on bringing its products to more markets globally, including Russia and China, and progressing a pipeline of new therapies acquired from external sources. The company reported 15.26 billion krona in 2020 revenue, up 8% from 2019 at constant exchange rates, and has forecast 14 to 15 billion krona in 2021 revenue, 
reflecting ongoing impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic, competition and currency impacts. All going smoothly, the transaction is expected to close in the fourth quarter of this year. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to log in to access these stories in full, which are also linked in the article accompanying this podcast, and to see all of our digital content. If you're not a subscriber, consider taking a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.